We're glad you're here with us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We pray God's word speaks to your heart today as Pastor Chapman Laxton shares the word with us. Well, man, good evening. It's good to see everybody tonight. I'm, I'm really glad that uh, you guys get to hear me again. Uh, you know, uh, we were in the back talking and, uh, and you know, talking about betting money in church, but, you know, somebody, somebody was talking and said, I can, I, I can bet what, I, what you're going to talk about tonight. Uh, well, well, yeah, that's about right. So if you were here last week, we talked about Elijah. And this week, we're talking about Elisha. So tonight, we're going to be talking about Elisha this evening. And uh, what I love about the testimonies and the stories of Elisha and what his ministry did and accomplished um, is, is so much of what he did, and, and I think if Elisha were in this room right now, he would say he credits the person who went before him. He would give a lot of credit and honor uh, to Elijah because his ministry was built on what Elijah already laid out and, and gave him the foundation for. And, and, and I just think it goes without saying um, that he followed closely to the teaching, the authority, and the way Elijah conducted himself, and, and that's how he operated. And what's really interesting for me, especially if you were here last week and I made the parallel between Elijah and, and Jesus, this week the, the overarching theme of tonight that I want us to pull from Elisha's story is how the parallel between Jesus and Elijah tonight, what I hope that we'll see is there's a parallel between us and Elisha, the, the church and Elisha. There's, there's a parallel there. See, Elijah's ministry was the cornerstone for what Elisha was then able to go on and do, and in some cases, do greater. And it's the same thing for us in the New Testament as we hear about uh, what Jesus said. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, when Jesus came to the region of Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, what I want you to see is whenever Jesus is saying, on this rock I'm going to build my church, he's not talking about Peter. Okay, he's not talking about Peter right there. The rock that his church would be built on was the truth that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. What it would be built on, the cornerstone, the cornerstone for the church, the cornerstone of what everything that would come after Jesus would only be able to build because the foundation that Jesus set, the course that he would chart for us, the guidelines and the blueprint 
And what I want you to know is, and what Jesus saw, and that's why he gave himself for the church, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus intended for us to understand that without him, we can't have salvation. We can't have all these things. Yes, but what Jesus intended was that for there to be more to be built. And he, and, and he goes on to say that. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Oh, and by the way, they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. See, I want us to see this, and, and don't miss this out. This isn't just a story. This isn't just somebody that we're reading about and going, oh, wow, that's really cool. There's some connections that we can make and see and pull from that Elisha took what Elijah did, and he built on it. Our job as Christians isn't just to leave what Jesus did in the Bible and go, wow, how cool is that? How cool does that make me feel? Wow, how cool would it be if we could? No, we're supposed to take what Jesus did and build on it. Not to elevate ourselves, but to build the church. That's what Jesus did was to build the church. We're to build the church. And, 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 And Pastor Ash is preaching on that. We're not talking about a building. We're talking about a body. We're talking about a group of believers. We're talking about in our talents, in our faith, in our beliefs. We're to build off of his cornerstone. Y'all follow me? And it's from this that I truly believe that we'll see our faith continue to grow and become more of a confidence than something that we leave on the coffee table or we leave at our bedside table or we wake up and, oh, God, thank you for today, and then go and then before we even make it out of our driveway, we're, we're already cussing and hauling because our day's ruined. No, our faith grows. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It goes on to say in verse 2, this is what the ancients were commended for. Okay, our faith is supposed to be built and grown. And so tonight, here's what I want you to know. As we talk through the story of Elisha and we go through some of the stories, I've got four stories that we're going to pull from. Okay, only four. You hold me to it. All right, four stories that we're going to pull from, and and what you've got to know, this isn't all encompassing. Um, the entire Bible is something that we can learn from and grow and build. But these four stories are some that I want us to pull from because I think that there there's some elemental things for us to glean from. Okay, for our faith, but yet I also think there's some scarlet thread that we can tie, and that's 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 from the Old Testament that connects us to Christ. Okay, And then there's also some instruction that I believe just for us to learn how to live our lives and for us to do. So I think there's, a, there's, a, there's some things that we can pull from this. So tonight, I've got four stories that we're going to pull from Elisha. And, and just so you know, just so you know, if you are ever in need of like, man, I just wish there was somebody I could read about in the Bible whose life was just full of power and full of, go read, uh, go read about Elisha. I mean, I mean, you want to talk about guys getting sent after him and just he just called down a big old fireball and blow up 50 guys and then kings send 50 more and boom, blow up those 50 guys and then the third group 50 comes and the guy's like, please don't blow me up. Please, please, please. I've got a family. <laughs> All right, but, but, but seriously, I mean, you want to read about a guy, I mean, just power and authority, power and authority, power and authority. And, and we're going to get into some of that. But 
tonight, four stories. All right, I said I was going to say four. Hold me to it. We didn't really go into that. One doesn't really count. It's a mulligan. All right, so here we go. First story we're going to talk about is out of 1 Kings chapter 19. It's where we're actually introduced to Elisha here. So 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 19. Here we go. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shepherd. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him, a lot of symbolism there, and Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Now, there's so many good things that we can pull from this, but the major thing that I want you to get is we have to submit completely to the authority of God in our life. We have to submit completely to the authority of God in our life. That's that's the the first major thing you've got to know. We've got to submit completely to the authority of God in our life. I love how one commentary put it. Elijah was literally saying to Elisha's question, can I go back and say goodbye to mom and dad? Sure, go back. Who am I? Who's God to you? What's my call on your life? What have I done to you to make you want to follow me? Kind of being a little bit stern with Elisha. But Elijah already knew Elisha's heart because God had sent him to him. Okay, And he knew that he would receive it how he ought to. Which was this. It was a stern reminder telling him, although it was Elijah at his door, it was God calling on his life. We've got to recognize that there are going to be people that come into our life that represent somebody, we've got to learn to submit to, authority of, to the authority of God in our life, okay? And, and what I want us to see is that ultimately, it's not man that places a call on us, it's God. It's not man who calls you to be in ministry, and I'm not talking about ministry like being up here, which God calls you that too. I'm talking about ministry, how you're supposed to live your life. God has called you to ministry. It may not be preaching, it may not be singing, it may not be leading youth, it may not be doing anything in it, anything involved with, with people skills. Your ministry may be, man, I just do my job really, really well. And people see my attitude, people see how I react to things, and I minister to them. Y'all with me? See, and what I love about this story, what I love is we're introduced to Elisha. He wasn't at the nearest Bible college getting his master's in theology, and Elijah wasn't waiting on him to graduate before he... See, he wasn't in the temple. Oh, have you heard about this Elisha guy? He prays for nine hours a day. My guy was in the field working a team of oxen plowing up the dirt, that's what he was doing. Whenever Elijah came knocking and saying, hey, stop what you're doing, come with me. 
Don't let what you do for a living think that that disqualifies the call of God on your life. Don't think that because you don't have the, the, the right doctrinal background or you didn't have the right uh, churchy upbringing or you didn't have the right religious people speaking the right religious things in your life that that excludes you from God coming to you and saying, follow me. Stop what you're doing, follow me. Now, if you read this or heard this and it sounded familiar as Elisha was saying, can I go back and say goodbye to my mom and dad? The chances are you're probably thinking of a passage of scripture that's found in the New Testament. It's Luke chapter 9, verse 59. And he said to another man, Jesus, saying to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. Boy, that's real harsh. Boy, that's real mean. Jesus, don't you know that that doesn't make people feel good on the inside? That's not the scriptures that we want to read, Jesus. What God is trying to tell you is just like Lot's wife, You looking back at that old way of living, that old relationship, that old habit, it's going to get you hurt. See, it's kind of like the the windshield and the rearview mirror concept. If you spend the majority of your time while you're on the road driving in the rearview mirror, you're liable to end up in the ditch. Or you're liable to hit the hazard that just stepped out in front of you or drove out in front of you because you're too busy looking back. See, this happens all the time with, with, with our kids whenever I'm trying to get Joan or Olive to, to, hey, come with me for a second. And they're, and bless poor Olive, she just leads with her, with her belly a lot. So she's already one little thing and she's tumbling. And she does, she bites it a lot. She falls, boom. She's caught looking back. I mean, we can, all, we can all get that on a fundamental level, but for some reason we don't understand why this Christian thing ain't working for us. It's because we've got our hand on the plow and we're looking. No, Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm in it. I'm, I'm listening. Oh, man, I sure. Social media has destroyed a lot of marriages because Boy, that old flame I used to have, or boy, that old, I wonder how old so-and-so's doing, or I wonder how, oh, then we get to messaging, and oh, we, a lot of people are ruining their Christian marriages to God, to Jesus, who is our groom, because we're looking back, we're looking back to, you left that for a reason, do you remember? Don't. Don't be like that old country song with a full-hearted memory that you keep thinking that 
oh, no, that's real, that was really good. No, it wasn't. You were miserable. Your life was terrible. Move on. Get focused on what's ahead of you. Get a clear vision. I loved what Elisha did. He submitted. The call came and he submitted. And not just did he say, okay. He slaughtered his oxen and burnt his equipment. There's nothing to go back to. What I did for a living, what I used to do is dead and burned up and gone. I'm not going back. I can't go back. The only way on is ahead. I, I don't remember where I saw it or who posted it or what. If it came to me in a dream, I don't know. You can't ever trip up on what's behind you if you're always focused on, it, on what's ahead. You won't ever get tripped up on what's behind you if your focus is always on what's ahead. Y'all feeling me on that? Y'all with me on that? If you don't like it, then I didn't get it in a dream. I read it somewhere. Don't covet your neighbor's donkey. Ladies, you already got one. Men, don't covet your neighbor's heifer. All right, we're just going to move on. Let's keep our eyes fixated on what God's called us to now. And what you'll end up finding is you'll cherish what you have in front of you. You'll cherish the family that you're, that you're in right now. You'll cherish the time and the season that you're in right now when you stop trying to look backwards. Yo, we got that point? Okay, all right. I'll beat that point to death like Elisha beat his oxen to death. So let's move on. Second point. Second thing, second story here in 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I'm following right with you. The company of prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. I will not leave you. Wherever you're going, I'm going. Okay, we following? Uh, once again, the company of prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Hey, do you know the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied. So be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Three times. Three times. I will not leave you. And 50 men from the company of prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. 
When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and walking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. And he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. Incredibly powerful. So many different things that you can pull out of this passage of Scripture with Elisha shedding his cloak, putting on Elijah's cloak. What you've asked, you've asked me for a double portion, but it's not mine to give. It's God's to give. I mean, there's just so many things that, that we can focus on, but, but just the thing that sticks with me, and the point that I want to make from this passage of Scripture is that Elijah got exactly what he wanted and he waited for. Elijah got exactly what he wanted and he waited for. But what you need to know and what you need to see is that he didn't want that office over his relationship with Elijah. See, it was his relationship with Elijah. No, Lord, wherever you go, I'm going. It was his relationship with Elijah. What can I do for you before I'm taken from you? A double portion of what you have. Of what you have. Of what I've seen you do. Of who I know you to be. I want what you have, but give me double of that. I want to be able to do what you did times two. See, it was his relationship. It's what, it was the power that he saw in, in Elijah that made him want to stay with him. And the whole time the prophets are trying to get him stirred up. Don't you know that your master's getting ready to leave you? Don't you know? And, and he was going, yeah, so shut up. I get it. But I'm going to hang on every word. I'm going to hang on every single word he says until he does. I don't want to hear you talk. See, I want closeness with my father, with, with my spiritual father. He's talking about Elijah there. I, I, okay, be quiet. I want to listen. I'm spending time with him. See, Elijah and Elisha crossed over together while the prophets, I wonder what they're talking about. No, Elisha stayed and followed and wanted a relationship, 
more than what he wanted in an office. Y'all with me? See, our time will come if we'll stay and we'll wait and we'll just be quiet. Spend time with the Father. You know, I think about Mary and Martha. Martha was so busy and doing all the things that she missed just getting to be with him. That was the real treasure. That was the real, that was the real enjoyment. You think about Judas. Judas missed the whole thing because he thought, he thought being one of the twelve meant an office. He thought being one of the twelve meant, I'm going to get to be somebody. I'm one of the twelve. And the moment that it became clear to him that following Christ wasn't going to promote him into a special office, I'm cashing out. It's closeness with the Father and we stay and we wait and that's when we receive. Or else it just becomes a revolving door of when you're wanting to come to God and it's all about what can I get instead of being about the one that you can have. He's poured everything out. He's given you all of him, full access, nothing holding back. And we make it all about, can I be the pastor? Can I be the preacher? Can I be the one leading worship? Can I be the one on stage? Can I be the one leading the men's group? Can I be the one leading the women's group? Can I be the one in head of the the charge of the... No, 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 no. Not that those parts aren't important. But whenever we start making... This, more important than why we're here, we just all missed it. Whenever it starts being about who's up here and not who's in here, we all miss it. We've got to wait and we've got to see that Jesus gave us a double portion. He provided us a double portion. And whenever we sit and we wait and we allow ourselves to be ministered to, we receive it. Okay, third story. Got to move on. Third story. It's from 2 Kings 23 through 25. And it seems like this doesn't make sense in the story, but I want you to see how important it is for us as the church. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel. And as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, baldy. Classic. Get out of here, Baldy. <laughs> Go on, get. And he turned around and looked at them and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two, uh, some translations say she bears. We all know about the passion of a mama bear. But the, then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And then he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. Hey, what happened today? Oh, it was a slight mauling in the woods, and I just kept along my path. I want to break this down because I, there are some things about this that's like, boy, that was real harsh. That escalated quickly. We went from name-calling to a massacre in the woods. But I want you to see something. When we read the word boys, 
That's a poor translation. These were not a bunch of, you know, boys, seven, eight, nine-year-old boys. Hey, there's a bald guy. Let's go make fun of him. (laughs) It wasn't that. The same translation when it's talking about boys here in the Hebrew is talking about young men. So, and, and you got to understand, young men in, in, the, in the Jewish culture, young was 20 to 40. The whole idea, though, is that this is the next generation. This is the people who are the up-and-comers, the ones who should be leading the next generation below them. These are some people that have some responsibility in the community. These are the builders. These are the teachers. These are the ones who, are the learn- who should already have learned what they need to learn and are communicating now to the next group. Get out of here, Baldy. Other translations say, go on up, Baldy. They weren't just telling him to leave they were actually mocking Elijah. Go on up. We don't need you around here. We don't need your power. We don't need your authority. Go on up, Baldy. Go ahead and make like Elijah and split. And and what they were doing was they were trying to defile the call of God on Elisha. Now, what we would say is, well, we just, we don't, we just, those boys are mean now. And we just slink on out of here. But Elisha was called to bring a fear and a reverence of God to a lost and destitute generation. His very presence, they knew who he was. They knew who he represented. Go on up out of here, Baldy. God will not be mocked. Just go ahead and let's get that straight. God will not be mocked. And when it says that 42 of them were mauled to the death, unalived, that wasn't all of them, do you understand? If two's a crowd, or three's a crowd, and two's a company, there were more than 42 of them. So here was a large group of young men coming to say, we're taking a stand against God. And God said, mm-mm. It's kind of like, like on Pirates of the Caribbean. They're saying there were no survivors. Nobody lived. And Jack Sparrow goes, well, if there were no survivors, then where would all the stories come from? There were people that left that day that were going to go spread the word. Don't mess with that guy because of the God that's inside of him. Listen, I know we used to get away with some stuff with Elijah, but this Elisha guy, don't, don't be messing with this Elisha guy. See, the word was going to get out there. You're not going to mock God. And that's what Elisha came to do. You're not going to mock God. 
We're so quick. We're so quick to let people come and, and degrade us and mock us. And I'm not saying that we don't take some of that slander. But what we end up doing if we're not guarding the word and we're not ready with the response is we allow the birds to come and steal the seed that God's trying to plant on the inside of you that can perform an authority and a power in you. And that's what, he's, that's what the Lord was talking about in Matthew 13. Verse 3, he said, Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Are we ready to defend the church? Are we ready to defend the word of God that's been placed on the inside of us? Or whenever people, you're going to church. <laughs> Don't be coming in here with all that Jesus stuff. Hey, you pray out in your car. You're not praying in here. Oh, okay, I'll just go ahead and I'll, 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 I'll turn the other cheek. That's not bravery. And that's not you being peaceful either. That's you being a coward. See, you can only be peaceful if you have the opportunity and the, and the want to, to want to defend. Okay, I'm going to be peaceful. But you being yellow doesn't mean, oh, I'm just a peaceful person. No, you don't have a spine at all. You don't stand at all. And what do we know if you don't stand for anything? Matthew 10, 34. Jesus had to deal with some of this. This is what Jesus said. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. See, what Jesus was saying is, you being my follower is going to make them hate you. You can't have peace with them. You're not just going to be able to get along with them. Because by the very nature of who I am in you, they'll hate you. Go on up out of here, Baldy. Now listen, I'm not saying you need to call down a curse on people. But what I'm saying is, is that you better be ready to not, to not carry the Lord's name in vain. Don't carry the Lord's name in vain. Don't give people the idea that being a Christian makes you weak with no spine. Okay? Are we ready to defend the church? That's the third point. And the last one is this, the widow and the olive oil in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, the wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. It's a problem. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing except for a small jar of oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, and pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. 
She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Here's the point I want you to get, and it's my last point as I'm coming to a close. God will fill what you bring. God will fill what you bring. What you bring. What you bring. See, Elisha didn't go get jars for this woman and say, here. Here, here's some oil. Here, take this, take this, take this. And I'm not saying that there aren't ministries out there that aren't necessary or needed to help people in need. But we are so quick. We are so quick to try to make our faith be somebody else's faith when what God's saying is, can you get them to bring anything at all? Let me do the rest for them. I'm not putting down charity. I'm not putting down trying to bless somebody. Hear me for a second. It's the Wednesday night crowd. We can receive this, right? God is looking for people to operate in faith so that he can move in their life. God is not waiting for you to come around into their life so then they can have faith. God doesn't want them to have faith in you. God wants them to have faith in him. Y'all with me? And what you got to know is as she kept bringing jars, they kept getting filled. And she kept bringing jars and they kept getting filled. What would have happened if she would have started just making, mom, that's a bowl. No, it's a jar. We're just making jars now. Go out and make, they would have kept getting filled. They would have kept getting filled. But what you have to see is the moment that for the capacity this is good. The moment that the capacity for them to receive more stopped, they didn't receive anymore. The moment that your capacity to want to receive more stops, and that's where we'll stop. Now sometimes, sometimes, it's just because it's just all we can do. It's just, we don't have no more jars. That's it. But sometimes we got more jars over here. Oh, man. And I got to carry how many more of these things we got? How much oil we got now? Ah, I think we're done here. Sometimes that's what we do. Sometimes we quench what the Spirit's trying to do in us. Sometimes we quench too early what the Spirit's trying to do in us. And, and sometimes we don't get, God's not looking for you to be the woman getting the jars all the time. God's looking for you to be an Elisha. See, sometimes we read stories like this and we go, oh man, that'd be so great if I could be the woman that got all the oil. Well, let me tell you something about the, about the supply that the woman had. 
it eventually ran out. Elisha's supply never ran out. And don't get me wrong, there are times when we're the woman. And we need, we need, we need a miracle. We need God to move and provide for us a miracle. But if you were to really think hard, which one do you think God wants you to live your life as? The one always in need of a miracle or the one who works the miracles in the lives of others? It's kind of like hand to the plow. If you'll get focused up and plow on ahead, God will take you to a place where you're not in need of any, any, any more jars of oil because you realize that on the inside of you there's something that flows and flows and flows and flows and you're not waiting to get filled up and then pour me out and then oh no I'm empty Lord fill me up okay and then I pour myself out oh Lord now I'm empty oh fill me up and, then, and this is how we get we get filled up and then we run over here and we pour ourselves out and then it's like okay I can't do anything I got to go back and now I've got to okay fill me up again okay now let me run over here and let me pour myself out the camera people are loving this right now it's a blur. It's like watching a cloud. Jason's laughing at me. It's like a cloud. <laughs> but we get to that place and we get here and we pour ourselves out and we think that, oh, this is me living a good Christian lifestyle. I just live constantly pouring myself out. No, God wants you to be overflowing all the time. And you just walk around overflowing, blessing, overflowing, blessing, overflowing, blessing, overflowing, blessing, overflowing, blessing. And you're never having to get to a place where you're going, where's my supply, Lord? Sure would be nice to be the lady in the story who gets all of her jars filled with oil. Jesus is saying, I'll give you something that will never run out. I'll give you something that will never run out. Time I got none. A never-ending stream. Jesus talks about in the New Testament. We don't have time to turn there. You can write it down. But in John chapter two, Jesus fills up the at, at the party. His first miracle. He fills up the water jugs with with wine. New wine. It was to talk about how there was something new coming. For anybody who'd want to partake. Jesus goes on to talk about in Luke chapter 5, we're not going to put new wine in old wineskins because people will think the old is better. What Jesus was trying to say is we're not going to mix the new lifestyle that I'm trying to take you to where you're an Elisha and you're blessing people. We can't mix that kind of thinking with the old way of thinking, which is I need my jars filled all the time. Whenever he's talking about the new cloth, you can't take new cloth and put it on, tear from a new garment and put it on an old garment. It's not going to work. But instead, but instead, if we'll allow ourselves to be changed completely, we can get the new wine, we can be the new garment, and we can shed our old one like Elisha did.
and we can put on the new one. And you have to know that whenever Elisha stepped up to the Jordan River to cross back over, and he said, where now is the power of the Lord? He wasn't saying that to question God. He was saying, is it in me? God, is it in me? God, I saw him go up. I waited. Is it in me? Whenever he strikes the Jordan River, the answer's given. Here's what you've got to know. Tonight, I don't know what situation you're in. I don't know what part of the river you're at. And you might be thinking, where is the power of the Lord? Where is the power of the Lord in my situation? And what God wants you to know, and what I want you to know tonight, is that it's in you. God's called you out of an old way of living to be the one, to be the Elisha, to be the one that brings the power, to bring the revelation. So tonight, what I hope that we've learned through the story of Elisha, we need to submit completely to the authority of God in our life. Not halfway, not looking back completely. Let's plow on ahead. We need to wait to receive what we're asking for. Seek the Lord above what you're, what you're hoping to get. I wish there was a verse about seeking first the kingdom of God. We didn't even have time to talk about that. We need to furiously defend the call and the anointing that God has placed on us and keep the birds away. And the last thing is we need to be ready not just to have our jar filled, but to be the one that fills other people up. That we show the power of who God is and we bring the fear of God and the authority of God everywhere we go. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church where it's more than a church, it's family.